Open your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. I want to deal with one verse today. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus that's the song y'all been singing all morning as Lord and believe in your heart see the mouth and then you got the heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, definite article, you will be saved. Let me read verse 10. For with the heart a person believes, resulting, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting, this is the result of the action, right? Amen. Resulting in what? Salvation. For the scripture says, come on, help me somebody. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Whosoever believes in him will not disappoint it. Leroy going to let you down. Shaniqua going to let you down. Pookie going to leave you on that corner. But whosoever believes, Brad will keep you hanging. I just wanted to just put Brad in there. Amen. Amen. But Jesus will never disappoint you. I want to talk about this morning, the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of the gospel. We've discussed in the last two messages on the gospel about the light of the gospel. Before you can actually receive the gospel, you have to get you have to get exposure to the light. The light of the gospel <clears throat> comes with hindrances. The Bible says, as I preached before, that Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot understand or know the gospel. That makes it difficult for some. And then I spoke to you about the power of the gospel told you that it is the power of God. It's God's power. The gospel. I told you what the gospel is. It is the death, the life, the birth, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension. Amen. And the second coming of Jesus Christ. We're waiting for his return. Perhaps today. That is the gospel in a nutshell. It's that simple. Yet because of these hindrances. 
because of all of these obstacles that we have, including ourselves, the gospel can become complicated. There are many Christian denominations out here. There are many churches out here. And I want to say to the new believer, just because it has church on the end of it, does not mean it's the church that preaches the gospel. For instance, Roman Catholics believe that salvation is received by virtue of the sacraments of baptism. They believe that when you're baptized, then you're saved. Amen. And that, and not only that, but you may, you may lose your salvation, amen, to mortal sin, amen, and you could never regain it again. The Mormons believe that there's a first aspect and a second aspect of salvation. They believe that the unconditional salvation of all, that everyone will be saved one day without repentance of their sins and belief in Jesus Christ. They also believe that when a person gets committed to Jesus, to God, amen, that, that it's salvation only by works. In other words, if you're not working for God, if you're not serving God, if you're not giving up your whole life, amen, and knocking on doors and witnessing that you're not saved, amen. In other words, it's salvation by works. Now, the salvation that we preach, the gospel that we preach, is salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. You may want to write that in your notes. Faith alone in Christ alone, nothing else. Faith alone in Christ alone, nothing else. Nothing else goes with it. It's believing. Jehovah Witness believes that salvation does not come by faith in Jesus Christ but only by being faithful, obedient witness to Jehovah. Amen. And only a select few, only a select few, 144,000, will go to heaven, to paradise. So in other words, God got, God's got a number on this thing. And if you're not in that 144,000, shame on you, you're done. It's annihilation. Man, what kind of God is that? That he got just a few numbers, 144,000, I hope I make it in. And so, and so, the more gooder you are, the, 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 the better chance you got to go into heaven. Lord have mercy. Christian science said, if you just don't think about sin, you're not sinful. That's Christian science. Christian science says, listen, if you, you know, if you don't, if you don't think about sin at all, if you don't think about it, you are saved. Just don't believe in sin. The new age movement believes in reincarnation. That what you are right now reflects what you used to be in your last life. It's like Hinduism. So, in order to achieve higher enlightenment, you believe in things like Zodiac. 
uh, a psychic reading, yoga, palm reading, channeling. Those are the types of things, and I just gave you the top five denominations and also religions and also cults. This is how they present the gospel or salvation. Most religions have religion, a way of salvation. And as you see here, it's not that what? Simple. Some people pick these religions because maybe they were born into it. I was born into Hinduism. So my plight was Hinduism. Amen. You always go back to what you were raised on. Amen. And watch this. And, but until, if the gospel can get in your heart, you'll never go back. Are you with me? The one thing that these religions have in common for salvation, you don't need Jesus. It's salvation by works. So many who stay in their condition that they are thinking that they're saved, they're not really saved. Because in some of these religions, they throw Jesus' name in there. They, they, they throw the Bible in there. And they even go as far as rewrite, rewriting the Bible. You have the Jehovah Witness with the New World, the New World Translation. You have the Book of Mormons. Amen. They've rewrote the word of God. See? They are complicating something that's just this simple. Are you with me? The question is, with so many choices, which gospel do you believe in? Paul is writing. In Romans chapter 10, he's our writer. I want to say this. Some people say it's it's complicated. The gospel that is. Uh, there's so much to learn. There's so, but it's not really that complicated because Matthew eleven twenty five says, "At this time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and you have revealed them to infants." The gospel is so simple that a little baby, a little infant can understand it. But to those who are intellectual, those who think they're wise, you know, they know all this stuff, it is void to them. It's foolishness to them. They can't understand it. It's googly gosh. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad you're getting that. Amen. The God, the gospel to them is not that simple. It's like, man, I don't understand all this church thing. And, Cause here's the thing. If, if the gospel is this simple, why do we struggle so hard to live it? Because maybe we have some beliefs from the past. Maybe you was a Roman Catholic. Maybe you was a, a Mormon. Maybe you was a new age. Maybe you was something before. But I want to tell you something. It's simple. 
to those who come to it as a child. Are you with me? So here's a disclaimer. If you try to understand it intellectually, it'll mess you up. It won't work for you. If you try to understand it, trying to use, be like a puzzle, you're trying to figure out being wise, it will leave you dumb. Because the gospel to those who receive it as an infant, it makes all the sense in the world. Are you with me? I used to preach in different circles and preach to intellectual people and preach to people who have big time degrees and stuff. And I used to try to make sure I'm, you know, I'm using words. And then then it dawned on me many years ago, man, I'm just going to preach the simplicity of this thing. I'm not going to try to use no big words, try to make you impressed with who I am. Listen, it's just simply Jesus died on the cross. Confess your sins. And that's it. And, and, and it's amazing because Paul, when he writes, he's, he's, he's saying, look, look, let, me, let me show you his motive. Look, look, look at verse 1. Let me, let me show you verse 1 of chapter 10. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is what? Paul says, I got one prayer request. Listen, if you pray for your family, pray that one request. Lord, save them. My one request, Lord, is that you say, my heart's desire is that you would save them, Lord. He says, watch this now. Watch this now. You ready? Watch this. For I testify about them. Amen. These were the false teachers and stuff. He said, for... They have a zeal for God. There are some people that are so godly, but they're not saved. How can you be godly and not saved? Because they had a zeal for God. Look what it says, but not according to knowledge. These are people who don't want to read their Bibles. These are the people who just want to pray. All they want to do is pray. They don't want no word, they just want to pray. No, you need a word. <laughs> he says they have a zeal for God. Oh, they're so holy. They're so godly. And this is how we get caught up in false religions. This is how we get caught up in, in movements that are not moving you closer to God. You with me? He said they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Look at verse 3. For not knowing about God's righteousness, watch this, they seek to establish their own. In other words, they start making up their own religion. They're reading the Bible, but they are interpreting the Bible according to their own terms. And watch this. They're making salvation harder than what it is. Are you with me? I only got four things. But but I needed to show you the context. Look what Paul says. Paul said they're establishing their own. They do not subject themselves to the what? To the righteousness of God. And he goes on and he talks about all this. And then he gets down here to verse 9. And he says, listen, they're doing all this stuff. Listen, 
let, let me say this. There are some denominations that believe that you, in order to be saved, you, you, you have to have the evidence of being saved. You know what the evidence is? Goobly gosh. Amen. That, 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 that you speak in tongues. And I don't want to make a mockery of it, but I do want to say this. Amen. Don't let anybody tell you that the only way you can be saved is if you have the evidence of speaking in tongues. See, get it, being saved is not about what you can show everybody else. Being saved is about what you're going, what you're going through inside of you. See, your, your, your evidence of being saved Watch this. You don't cuss no more. You don't lie no more. You don't, your mind is not caught up with all this sexual stuff all day long. In other words, you're putting the porn down. You're putting the weed down. You know, evidence. Tell your neighbor, evidence. It's a lifestyle change. Come on, somebody. You're not saying, well, God made weed and it's from the earth and all this. So you're trying to justify smoking weed. God doesn't make it's from the earth. Come on now. I got a prescription, Pastor. You understand? I need it. Yeah, you need, you need it before it was legal. The, what what you think they do? They just trying to help your cause. You ain't been sober a day in your life. Been a long time since you've been clean. How can you really face life if you never clean? Seriously, I thank God for deliverance because I remember I couldn't live a day of my life without putting something in my system. I needed something always in my system in order to cope with the issues of life. Come on, somebody. So, so, so when somebody tells you, you need to, you need to have, you need to have the evidence of speaking in tongues, that is not true. They also may tell you that you just got to stop sinning. Well, boo, let me tell you something. As long as you're in this body, you're going to sin. And so what you do, you get involved and you start hanging around these people in church who think they're holy. Okay. They ain't telling you what they're doing on the side. Right. And only when they come to church, when you see them. Right. And they live in so holy in front of you, like, I can't achieve this. So then what you start doing, you start feeling bad about it. And then you just fall back. Because they got a standard that they can't even keep. Faith alone in Christ alone. So what's the simplicity of this thing? He says that if you confess with your mouth. Watch what he said now. Okay. Okay. 
I was watching uh, 30 for 30, Michael Vick, you know, with the dogs. <laughs> Michael Vick, when he was asked the first time, Roger, Roger Goodell said, did you do it, man? No. Do it, man. No, that wasn't me. I shoot. I don't, I don't know what we're talking about. Then in the end, he comes out and he says, "In the end, after he kept up the charade for a little while, watch where I'm going with this. He had to confess. He had to confess to the crime." As long as he kept denying or lying about what he knew to be true, the case started building against him even worse. He said in that interview, he says, the moment I told the truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I was free. See, confessing is not just you confessing. It's you telling the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth about your sins to God. Not just the Pope. Not You can't tell it to a Pope. What is he going to do about it? I never could understand that. What is the Pope going to do for me that I can't do for myself when the Bible says I can intercede for my... So the first thing is simply confessing your sins. You see, when the gospel reaches your ears, it goes into your heart and then it brings awareness of the sin that's in your life. I know I ain't right. I know I'm not right. Watch this. And it creates a problem within you. <laughs> a good problem. It creates a problem because inside of you, you start looking at yourself like, I don't hurt nobody. I, I don't kill nobody. I shoot. What I do, I do in my privacy, my home. But you're sinning against yourself. Jesus said you would rather die with one arm than to go to heaven with two hands. You would rather go to he heaven with one eye. You, you know what he's talking about, right? You want to know what he's talking about? If your hand is causing you to sin, from stealing to masturbation, cut it out. Did I say masturbation? Yeah, I did. If it's causing you, well, if your eyes is causing you to watch pornography, cut it out. He says you would rather not live with that stuff in your heart for so long than go to hell because that's where it's going to take you eventually. See? 
You catch where I'm going with this? Watch this now. Watch this now. If your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. If your hand causes you to cut it out. He said, listen, he said, you got to deal with these things. But the problem with most people, when they hear the gospel, they're so convicted that they condemn themselves. So, so I'm going to show you something real quick. You gotta, so, so what I'm saying, you just got to tell the truth. Tell, just tell the truth. Tell the truth. See, 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 watch this. You see how sinful you are. And watch this. And then you see all the years of your suffering. All the years of your torment. When you sit there and you hear the gospel, it makes you feel bad. Doesn't make you feel good. But the only thing that you should simply do is what? Confess. Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. See, people that come to Christ, they can't come to Christ saying, oh, well, I'm a good person. And because I'm a good person, I guess I'll do this. No, listen, I'm a wretch undone, man. Man, listen, if you, if you were to really know who I am, Listen, when I remember that day when I came down that aisle, man, and, and listen, I said, these people only know what's really going on inside of here right now. See, we look at people on the outside, but find out what's on the inside. And listen, any person that's without the gospel, you better watch because they're not, they, they will fool you. They will lie to you. They'll make you think there's something that they're not. You ever find out that? Huh? Spend seven, eight months with a person, you find out they're a fraud all the way around. That wasn't their real here. That wasn't their real toes. That wasn't nothing. Nothing about them was real. You just find out all kinds of craziness about them. Like, where you been all your life? And nothing surprises me. Because we're born sinners. That's the bottom line. But God made a way through the gospel. Lord, I'm, Lord I, I, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I don't even know if I'm sorry about my sin, but I'm going to confess these things. I did it. Guilty. You can't come to God thinking you're, you're the attorney. But let me tell you what the gospel does. It causes you to be a little offensive, offended by what it reveals, the light. The light of the gospel will show you the sins so that you can confess it. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. He says that you confess with your mouth Jesus as what? See, the average person who first hear the gospel has no idea about that. They don't even know what the, they don't even know what that is. How can I confess someone is Lord when I've been master over my own life? So, here's the deal. Confessing means acknowledging. You confess through your sins, but also, here's the next thing you gotta do. Simple, simply. Simply confessing you need Jesus as what? Lord and God. Here's what I'm saying. You and I have to realize something. We need something bigger than us to control our lives. 
Watch it. I need a Lord over my life. Know what that means? That means he controls everything. Because when I was controlling my life, I messed it up. So when he says you must confess Jesus as Lord, what he's saying is you need to make him Lord over your life. In other words, he controls every aspect of your life. And you are submitted to him, watch this, so that you can live in obedience to him. You see, when Peter and the disciples had messed up, and they went back fishing, it's amazing how they walked with Jesus and they didn't make him Lord. They confessed they knew him, but in the end they denied him. Come on, somebody. See, because watch this. A lot of us, we say it. See, when you confess your sin, you're confessing your sins to him because he can do something about your sin. He can take the sin, so now he becomes the Lord over your life. So rather than sin ruling over you, now the Savior is ruling over you. But only God can do that. So you can't just see him as little Jesus. You got to see him as Jesus as God. And that's where the problem some people don't see Jesus as God. They see him as son of God, but not God. Only God can take your sins. And when sin is no longer ruling you, you're submitted to your savior. See, what you're doing in church is you're serving Jesus, y'all. That's what you're doing. Listen, listen, listen. We need a savior because we can't save ourselves. But for some of us, sin and torment that we've put ourselves through our whole life. We need a savior to submit to, to serve, to support, to surrender. Because the life that you were living, you were living your life under your rules. Under your terms. Come on somebody. And guess what? You were making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. I always say that when a new believer comes to Christ, they need to understand who Jesus is. You need to confess him. As Lord, Lord, you are Lord over my life. I confess my sins, but I confess that I am no longer in control. I lay down my pride. I lay down everything at your feet. So that way you are in full control of my life. May I ask you a question? Is he Lord? Is he curious? Is he Lord over your life? Does he have full control? I know you're saved, but the, watch this. The evidence that you're saved is that you're submitted to him. It's easy to surrender to him when you're saved. Come on, help me, somebody. Somebody here, you're fighting your will. And you're fighting his will. You ready? He says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord. And what he says next? And believe... Believe in your heart. It's not just lip. I I know people who just give lip service. I've seen it 
in 15 years. I've watched people just give Jesus lip service and not heart. You can't give him your life without giving him your heart. But you have to believe. How do you, be, how do you know that that word is epistemology? The doctrine of belief. The doctrine of truth. How do you know something is true? How do you know that thing that you're sitting in is a chair? What if it's a cow? Now, society has described it as a chair, but it could be a cow. See, and what happens in false religions, they, they shape things to shape your epistemology, your truth. So he says, you can't just confess them, you got to believe them. When you start, listen, when you get that phone call, they say, hey, you got the job. You believe it. You had not even started yet. You believe it. Then you get down there and say, we didn't hire you. Oh, Lord. But they had all your hopes up. And guess what? You started planning. Guess what? You started spending the paycheck before you even got it. You, 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 but, but you believed it so much. When you came here today, you sat in that chair. How did you know I didn't unscrew all them screws on there? You had so much faith when you sat in that chair. Watch this. That you believed it. See, and then, and then watch this. And then people come to Jesus. They just confess it, but they don't believe it. They don't believe in their, watch this, in their hearts. They believe with their mouth, but not in their hearts. You see, you see, I believe that Jesus suffered and died in my place. I believe that. I believe that he suffered and died in my place. I believe that he rose in the, from the dead. This is what you got to believe. I believe that if I put my trust in him this day, he will be my Lord and Savior. Let me say it again. I believe that Jesus what? Suffered and died in my place. In my place. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe and I put my trust in him. Watch this. This day to be my Lord. No longer am I running my life. Tell your neighbor the simplicity of the gospel. And you know what Romans 10 11 said? I told you earlier. Whosoever believes in him will not be disappointed. It's simple, but the devil has worked so hard, watch this, to build a different belief system in our hearts. So you've been hurt by church. You've been hurt by people. You've been disappointed by religious people, so you don't believe no more. But the power of the gospel will break down those systems, watch this, if you just believe. Why is it so hard for someone to believe that they're saved by confessing only with their mouth and believing in their heart? I'll tell you why. It's so easy. Because it's easier for them to believe a prosperity gospel, a health and wealth gospel, a positive thinking gospel, a social gospel, because it's subjective. You know what subjective means? Placing excessive emphasis on your mood, how you feel. Amen. Opinions. Me, 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 me. That's subjective gospel. But our gospel requires faith. A faith that's objective. It's not influenced by feelings or interrupted by prejudices. Or is based on facts. That when you go to Jerusalem. Hey. 
that there is an empty tomb. Yeah, Lord. They were, he rose from the dead, y'all. I wish I had somebody. And look what he's telling us to believe. He's telling us to believe that God. Look what he's saying now. Ready? Now you got to stay with me on this. He says that God raised him. Yeah. God raised him. Not just believe he's Lord. But that God raised him from the dead. Write this address down. 1 Corinthians 15, 14. Don't go there. Just write it down because the Bible says, If Christ had not raised, then our preaching is in vain. Our faith is in vain. What's the point of believing if he's not alive? The tomb is empty. But before the tomb was empty, he was beaten for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. You won't understand the power of the resurrection until you understand what happened before the resurrection. What happened in A.D. 30? The death and the resurrection of our Savior of the world. I want to give you a physiological look at Christ's crucifixion. The crucifixion began at 9 a.m. and ended at 12 noon. Traditionally, the accused stood naked and flogged and covered the area from the shoulder to his upper legs. The whip consists of several strips of leather. Go ahead, go ahead. In the middle of the strip were metal balls that hit the skin, causing deep bruising. In addition, a sheep bone was attached to the tip of each strip. When the bone makes contact with Jesus' skin, it digs into his muscles, tearing out chunks of flesh and exposing the bone underneath. The flogging leaves the skin of Jesus' back with long ribbon marks. By this point, he has lost great volumes of blood, which causes his blood pressure to fall, putting him into shock. The Roman soldiers place a crown of thorns on his head. Watch this. They threw a robe on his back. The robe helps the blood clots to prevent Jesus from sustaining more blood loss. As they hit Jesus in the head, the thorns from the crown pushed into his skin and he begins to bleed profusely. The thorns also cause damage to the nerve that supplies to the face, causing intense pain down his face. As they mocked him, the soldiers belittled him by spitting on him. They ripped the robe off and threw him to the ground and then they nailed his hand to the, to the patibulum while laying down so Jesus is thrown and his wounds are opened up again while grinding him on the dirt. Once the victim is secured, the guard lifts the patibulum and places it on the stipes already in the ground. As it's lifted up, the full weight of Jesus' body is on the cross. Jesus' arm is stretched to a minimum of six inches longer than the original length. 
As Jesus hangs on the cross, the weight of his body pulls down on the diaphragm. And the air moves into his lungs that remains there. Jesus must push up on the nail on his feet, causing more pain to exhale. In order to speak, air must pass over the vocal cords during exhalation. The gospel notes that Jesus spoke seven times from the cross. It is amazing that despite the pain, he pushes up and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Built up a fluid around the heart and the lungs and the collapsing of his lungs and the failing of his heart, dehydration and the inability to get sufficient oxygen to the tissues essentially suffocates Jesus. The decrease of oxygen damages his heart, watch this, which leads to cardiac arrest. In, in severe cases, cardiac stress. The heart can even burst a process known as cardiac rupture. Jesus saints most likely died of a heart attack. While these unpleasant facts depicts a brutal murder, the depth of Christ's pain emphasizes the true extent of God's love for his creature and his creation. So teaching the physiological look at Christ's crucifixion should bring you joy this morning. Why? Because he did it for you and he did it for me. But I just don't want to leave you right there at the cross. You see, they took his body, his bruised up body, and they put it in a borrowed tomb. You see, the tomb was borrowed because he wouldn't need it that long. You see, the Bible says in Romans uh, chapter 9, chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. See, I, I, I wept when I looked at the physiological look at Jesus on the cross. I shed some tears as I was putting this together. But I stopped by to tell you, I couldn't cry too long. Because ha, he was in a barred tomb, I said. But on the third day, <laughs> he stayed there Friday. He stayed there Saturday. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. I want to tell somebody here today that the gospel is that simple. Jesus may have died, but he's alive and well. The Bible says that he sits at the right hand of God. He had to go through a brutal death for me. But I believe the gospel today. Why? Because the gospel is complete when he rises from the dead. Do you know him today? Have you tried him this morning? Do you want to know him? And the only way that you can know him, Paul says, I want to know you and the power 
of your resurrection. Resurrection has power and you got to hold on to the gospel. When you start losing your way, go back to the gospel. And remember what Jesus did for you on Calvary. He did it for you. He did it for you. He took the beating for you. That's the gospel. The gospel is just that simple. It's nothing else. You don't have to add nothing else because you now have resurrection power residing in you. He rose from the dead and watch this. His disciples didn't even believe him. They doubted him. They went fishing. They went back to doing. They went back. See, sometimes that's how we do. We come, we accept the gospel, we confess, and we go right back to doing what we spoke, what we were doing, because you didn't stay long enough to change. And God knew the motive of your heart. God knows why you were here. God knows why you came. So what is he doing? You think you're fooling him. He's fooling you. He's waiting you out. He's waiting you out to see how long you're going to hang around here and not change. Let me tell you something about resurrection power, y'all. If he did not raise, when you confess with your mouth, it means nothing. All this preaching I'm doing, nothing. 20 years of, 19 years of preaching, nothing. But the reason the preaching has power is because of the resurrection. That's why when we preach, we must preach the gospel and nothing else. Because whosoever believes in him will not be disappointed. When I was going through that physiological look of how the things that was going on in his body, the blood pressure dropping, his lungs collapsing on him, he's in agony and pain and he's suffering. And all the while he's suffering, he's thinking about me. I don't know what that means to you. I don't know if it means anything to you. But I confessed that in my mouth 20 years ago. And resurrection power has changed my life. And if you're here today and maybe you're, you're wavering, or maybe you're like, man, I, I heard the gospel. I don't know if I heard that. Why don't you have the power to live right? Why don't you have the power to move forward? Why is your life wavering? Why are you wavering in life? Maybe maybe you haven't heard the gospel. Maybe you're watching. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know what? I want resurrection power.